she was a sinner. She knew herself to be a sinner. She knew herself to be unworthy of God's mercies. She knew herself to be someone under the word, not over the word. She knew herself to be under her son and not over her son. She saw her son as the king. She did not at any time exalt herself over him. What he says, that you should do, John chapter 2. She exalts her son. She comes to believe in her son. She's in the early church in Acts chapter 1. She's praying with God's people, praying to her son. Mind-blowing! Good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Please turn your Bibles once more to Luke chapter 1. Luke 1, verse number 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary, the mother of our Lord, has always been an object of much interest. Back in 2015, the National Geographical's front cover in December had the title, The World's Most Powerful Woman. The editorial at that time said this, She is the world's most depicted woman, yet among the most mysterious, with more written about her in the Quran than the Bible. The professor said this, You see yourselves and your concerns reflected. That's what Mary has always done, that Jesus could not. She's more accessible, less threatening, always on people's side. You hear the seed of Roman Catholic errors, don't you? And they abound regarding the person of Mary, the sinless Mary heresy. The perpetual virginity of Mary heresy. Mary as co-redemptrix heresy. Mary as mediatrix heresy. And thus we are occasionally shy when it comes to extolling the virtues of this remarkable lady. Her grace and her character are seen dramatically in this song of Luke chapter 1. I have just two things I want to consider. And the first thing is the context of this song, the context of this song. And this song, which you have in verse number 46, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. The context, of course, is in the news of the coming of the Saviour. It is clear in the Gospels that Mary struggled to understand who her son was. In verse 19 of chapter 2 it says, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Yet at the same time, she has been made aware of his identity and of his purpose in coming into the world. And yet there was mystery and confusion. Note these two visits. Note the visit of the angel to Mary. 
And the preamble to her, the angel's visit is verse number 28, where the angel came unto her and said, Heal thou that art highly favoured. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Again, there's various views regarding the age of Mary. But the regular age for espousal at that particular time was in the early to mid-teens. 13, 14, 15 perhaps. Espoused to Mary. God favoured her. Humble young girl was given a role in redemption. Holding the honour forever of being the mother of Jesus in his humanity. The prediction is given in verse number 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Mary rightly understands or understands the confusion in verse number 34. How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And Luke, the physician, records a detail, again with his own physician's understanding, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow the great mystery. Great mystery in the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. But what is abundantly clear is the purpose in verse number 32 and 33. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. A king was coming, and the Gospels ring with that remarkable note. A king is born. The son of David is born. There's a throne which he will assume. A throne that he will take via the cross. You know what? We must, we must as God's people be much in prayer at this time of year. And let me explain to you why. These words are read and heard by the ungodly at this time of year more than at any other time. And they will go to special meetings and services and carnal services and it'll be in the radio and they will be bombarded with these words. And do we not believe that the entrance of the word of God gives light? Do we not believe that the word of God is powerful unto salvation? Do we not believe that faith comes by hearing the word? And therefore should we not be much in prayer that as the ungodly read and hear the word of God, that God would open their hearts. Is God not able to do that? These are words that announce the coming of a king. A coming of a king who reigns on a throne. A king who suffered and died. That he would be the son of David, reigning on David's throne forevermore. A kingdom that there shall be no end of. It's a glorious Visit announcing the purpose of Christ coming into the world. So you've got the visit of the angel to Mary. You also have the visit of Mary to Elizabeth. These two visits that are the context of this song. Mary, the angel says, And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And it seems to be that the angel is prompting Mary to go and visit Elizabeth. And so Mary goes to Elizabeth, and she enters verse number 40, and salutes Elizabeth. And at that moment, Elizabeth perceives something truly remarkable in her body. A six-month-old child would already have moved much within the mother. 
But now we find something remarkable, something that caused Elizabeth to wonder and to rejoice. Verse number 44, For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Oh, these are words again of great mystery. John the Baptist, acting as a prophet before his birth, Significantly, again, the Word of God views the unborn child as a person capable of joy. This is one of the strongest proof texts against the evil of abortion. And John the Baptist was capable of hearing and responding even before his birth. And he did so. He acted as a prophet in action before words. Confirming, I believe, to Mary the words of the angel. This is God graciously dealing with a tender girl and reminding her, what I have said is true. And you go to Elizabeth and she responds. And so Elizabeth, verse number 41, filled with the Holy Ghost, confirms what Mary has already been told. Thou art blessed among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And then you have this astounding verse. Whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? These ladies, they knew a level of faith that we should admire and wonder and, yea, with the holy sense, covet for our own experience. This joyful song, the context of the song, the joyful song arises out of the contemplation of God's redemption. The thought that she would have a son caused her perplexity and pain. But the song flows out of a recognition that the child to be born is the Savior. His name was Jesus. He is predicted to reign via the cross, confirmed by Elizabeth and John. So the verse number 46, he says, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. I don't think I need to say it, but just for the record again, please note this text removes the Roman Catholic lie of the sinlessness of Mary. She refers to God as her Savior. She was a sinner who needed a Savior, but she as a sinner finds joy. She finds joy in the personal delight of God's salvation. You listen to the words of Psalm 35 and the verse number 9. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. And then Psalm 40, verse 16. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. Who are those that magnify the Lord? They are those that are glad in God, who rejoice in God's salvation. True joy is found in the Lord. And dear child of God, we must... I tell you, we must rebuke the world with our attitude at this time. This is a time when the world delights in the tinsel and the lights, in the gifts, in the drink, and all those things. The world finds this a happy time. They make their way to December 25th with great happiness in their souls. And then they crash in debt and depression. But the child of God must show them there's a reason for true joy, a reason to magnify the Lord, and that is not in the tinsel, in the baubles of this world. 
We rejoice in things that are eternal. We rejoice in the things that really matter. We rejoice in God our Savior. We delight in the gospel of God's dear Son. We delight that his name is Jesus. And we delight that he saves his people from their sins. Be gone, the joy to this world. They are fleeting, they are passing. True joy, lasting joy, only Zion's children know. And so by God's grace, may this song be rebuked to your hearts that we would demonstrate and magnify the God of heaven by living at this time in a right and a worthy manner, exposing the false joys of the world and delighting in the true joy that comes from knowing Christ and being Christ's. That's something of the context of the song. In the second place, we see also the content of the song. Note the subject. The subject of the content is God himself. True praise exalts the Lord. My soul doth magnify the Lord. To exalt is to magnify. It is to set God forth. Uplift the name of God. True praise always delights in the magnifying of God. It does not continually look at self. That's a false praise of a false church. A true church will always seek to exalt the attributes of God. His power, verse number 49, for he that is mighty, his holiness, holy is his name, verse 49. The God who is merciful, his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. What is true praise? It is saying, this is my God. This is the God of the Bible. This is who he is. He's a God who is faithful. Verse 44, he hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spake to your fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. We speak about what God has done. And there's a tendency to speak about ourselves. You know, you give a word of testimony. And you can talk about your blindness, your wretchedness. And you can talk now about how you've been forgiven and justified, adopted, reconciled. All of those things are wonderful. But in our praise, it's not so much telling the story about what we are and who we were in the past and who we are now. In our praise, it's of exalting who God is. It's setting forth his character. And so we see ourselves in light of who he is. He is the God who keeps his promises. He is the faithful God who in power and in holiness does what he says and shows his mercy to them that fear him from generation to generation. Because having magnified his attributes, she also magnifies his works. Look at verse 50 and following. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the pride in the imagination of their hearts. You see the character of God in the sending of his Son. Christ reveals the Father. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 describes the coming of Christ in these words. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Or Titus 3 in the verse number 4. But after that the kindness and love of God our Saviour toward man appeared. 
When Christ appears, we see God's grace, we see God's mercy, we see God's kindness, we see God's love in the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. And she reflects upon that mercy. Mercy that turns the world upside down. For mercy that humbles the proud and exalts the humble. The mercy that does all things upside down. The world exalts the proud. The world exalts the mighty. But God exalts the humble. It is a wonderful testimony of praise unto God. But you see also the source of her praise. The content of Mary's words here are Bible. You can see a reflection of Hannah's praise in 1 Samuel. But one authority suggests that she quotes or alludes to words from Genesis, Deuteronomy, 1 and 2 Samuel, Job, Psalms, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Micah, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah. Studying the words, they came to the conclusion that Mary is bringing all of these various scriptures together in her song of praise. Now, some skeptics doubt that a humble Jewish girl could utter such words of praise. And they suggest that these were put into the text by some other authority. These weren't actually Mary's words. How they doubt the power of God. How they doubt what God can do in a humble teenager raised in the Word. She speaks Bible in her praise to God because she knows Bible. And as a Jewish girl, the place that she learnt Bible was in her own home. And so we find a teenager coming to a point of her life where life will never be the same again, but she is grounded in the Word of God. You know, you're not going to have a merry experience. Young girls, young men, you are not going to have what Mary had to experience. This is a once and for all act of redemptive history. But it reminds us that no matter what your life will bring forth, if you are grounded in the word in your youth, you will face whatever God brings to your life with praise and with gladness and with assurance and confidence of God's faithfulness. Again, I just reminded myself this morning. What am I doing as a father? To grind our children in the word of God. That our children could be raised, that they could utter words like this. And the praise and the adoration of their God. The simple, uneducated Jewish girl can praise God when she fills herself full of the word of God. Faith, of course, rests in the Word. And again, I say again what I said before, we must be much in prayer that God would use His Word at this time. That those who hear the Word would come to believe in the Christ of the Word. And that God would overturn those who deny the miraculous. And not allow the skeptics to undermine the glory of the Gospel. And that even in this time, we will be conscious of our need to be in the Word of God. You know, you may be conscious of your lack of love for Christ, conscious of your lack of joy. Where does love and joy come from? It comes from the Word of God. 
and you can be more in your coldness and be more in your joylessness and do nothing about it. But here we see in the example of Mary, someone who is in the Word and uses the Word of God to equip and warm her heart. As the source of her song, it is the Word of God. The spirit of her song, a sense of her humility and her unworthiness. She does see herself as being favored of God. Generations shall call her blessed. She understands that she's the object of God's grace. Highly favored. Same word is used in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 about those who are accepted. Favored of God. She is a recipient of grace. Not a provider of grace. There is no point in praying to Mary. She is not able to provide grace. She herself had to receive grace. And having received grace, she is conscious of her unworthiness to be used of God in the manner that she is used. She is a picture, I believe, of how all sinners relate to God. She's a picture of true and saving faith. Faith in God that arises from the Word of God. Faith in God that's conscious of their unworthiness. Faith of God that calls God their Savior. Faith in God that humbly submits to God's dealing in their lives. Mary is a wonderful way to bring the gospel to your Roman Catholic friends and neighbors. Using Mary is a tremendously helpful way to teach a Roman Catholic person the gospel of Christ. She was a sinner. She knew herself to be a sinner. She knew herself to be unworthy of God's mercies. She knew herself to be someone under the word, not over the word. She knew herself to be under her son and not over her son. She saw her son as the king. She did not at any time exalt herself over him. What he says, that you should do, John chapter 2. She exalts her son. She comes to believe in her son. She's in the early church in Acts chapter 1. She's praying with God's people, praying to her son. Mind-blowing. She was one who was mightily favored of God, who humbly, in acknowledgement of her sin, came to trust her never-dying soul to the blood of the one who she bore in her own body. It is, I believe, she is, I believe, a tremendous testimony of how God is pleased to save sinners. And those who are so saved, they willingly submit to God's will, no matter how difficult that might be. Again, did you note the words in Luke chapter 1, in the verse number 38? Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. When you come to trust in Christ as your Saviour, you're also putting yourself humbly in his control and in his will. Willing to live for him in whatever manner he has required you to do so. 
that the Son would be exalted, that the Son would be glorified, that the Son would be praised. We admire her. We honor her. But we rejoice in God's grace in her and pray that we would know that grace in our lives, that like her, we would walk by faith and not by sight. So may God help us to announce the gospel at this time. Let's bow together in prayer. Eternal God and our loving Heavenly Father, we do again come before thy word. And dear Father, we're living in days of such confusion. We think, O oh Lord, of the many in our society who would rather exalt Mary than Christ. We pray, O oh God, that you deliver the Roman Catholic soul from Mariolatry. Our worshipping of Mary as a co-redemptrix, as a mediatrix, we pray, O oh God, that you deliver even our neighbours in this place from such false thinking, from that thinking that is not according to thy word. We see, O oh Lord, in Mary a sinner saved by grace. And we praise thy name that in your mercy you were pleased to save this young lady and make her an instrument in thy service. Oh, Lord, we pray you'd save in this place. We pray for our young people. May they be grounded in the word of God. And would you be pleased to use them in the days to come for the honor and glory and the exaltation of Christ's name. Oh, Lord, hear and answer prayer this day. Save lost souls to the glorifying of thy Son. In whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified.